0: Cavalier returns and an update on the situation at McFly Middle School. Stay tuned, listeners. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. You're aware of the situation at nearby McFly? middle school surrounded by a giant imposing dust cloud for a full week the first week of school nobody could get in nobody could get out the cloud has since dissipated and with it half the students to hear my son explain it portals appeared in the midst of the dust Students were sucked into the portals one after another. Buck was safe. All the other kids' superheroes were gone, along with half their classmates, transported to an alternate world where they were met face-to-face with themselves, but different versions of themselves, opposite bizarro versions the mean kid, the school bully, would be face-to-face with a super-nice, generous version of himself. A quiet, introverted bookworm would meet her loud, extroverted, outgoing counterpart. Must have been weird. Imagine meeting yourself, but the complete opposite Anyway, all has been restored to normal. Well, we think all has been restored to normal. The students have been saved, most of them. Though in some cases, honestly, Buck isn't quite sure he was able to bring the right version of each student back to McFly Middle School. I mean, it can be hard to tell sometimes. It's really a story he should share. And there's more to it. I have a feeling we're going to be dealing with the repercussions, the consequences of that dust cloud for some time to come. That it revealed hidden secrets about the Pangea Stones. Well, that is a story for another day. If you've heard the last three episodes, there's been quite a uh, Halloween focus. I hope you like Halloween because there's plenty of it here on the podcast in September and October. Not today, but this is probably the last non-Halloween episode you'll hear for some time. I have stories and poems lined up for part, if not all, upcoming episodes that will run through the rest of this month and in October. But for today... Cletus Cavalier's Space Run, Part 4 An eggs and bacon breakfast before takeoff allowed Cletus a bit of time to size up the crew that would be following him to Asteria. Scowl's band was a dozen, divided equally among three ships. Scowl would lead one group, while Ripper and Cutter each took controls to one of the others. Beautiful names, y'all, Cletus tried to joke, but Scowl was the only one to chuckle, of course. Ripper and Cutter came across as ill-tempered, disparaging, unnecessarily mean. They made Scowl seem like Mr. Rogers by comparison. No, Cletus didn't like Ripper or Cutter one bit, and instantly regretted commenting on their names. Each ship was triple the size and strength of Cletus's ride. Cletus had checked them out late the night before, thoroughly, and found few weaknesses inherent in their systems. All the scavengers seemed to hate him. They were cold and unresponsive, which brought Cletus little comfort. Scowl was the only one who would even speak to him. Don't let them get to you. Nobody wants to get to know someone too well when they think they might have to vaporize you in a few hours. Don't take it personal. And then he belly laughed relentlessly for a full ten seconds. Yeah, I'll try not to take that personally. And they're really a bit anxious. Most haven't been off this rock since Christmas. It was currently mid-July. You celebrate Christmas? Oh yeah, it's a whole thing. Cletus wondered what that must be like. He hoped momentarily for an invite to the annual Zeta Deep Space Scavenger Holiday Party on the Osborne Rock, longed to see such a remote and lifeless place lit up in green and red streamers and blinking white lights. Alas, he doubted the stars would align in such a way to allow this. The launch was smooth and the journey was long and boring. Cletus was thankful he had been allowed to soup up his ship with little scavenger supervision. However, he still wouldn't be able to radio ahead to warn the pack unless he wanted to be instantly vaporized. His delivery would be gone, too. To Cletus, all of this now seemed to be such a giant waste of time. Missed opportunity. When their Asteria goal popped up on Cletus's map, He knew they were no more than an hour away. He had slept fitfully barely a couple of times during the long trek, but now his eyes were wide awake with anticipation for what the rest of the day would hold. Cletus wouldn't be able to outrun or outgun the scavengers, trick them maybe if his plan worked. Or perhaps the scavengers would be distracted by attacks from Asteria, the pack, and he'd be able to duck away from them while also avoiding heavy gunfire that was sure to come his way. For a man who liked to occasionally gamble, play the odds, Cletus gave himself about a 10% to 20% chance of seeing the next day. Maybe I'm being optimistic, Cletus said to himself, as his scavenger pals began to move in on the AIK-205. The scavenger crafts were now far too close for comfort. Up until then, all had flown in a diamond-shaped pattern. Cletus led the way, while the other three ships soared in a triangle formation behind him. Now that Asteria was in full view on all maps, the three scavengers moved in close. Ripper's flight was on the AIK-205's left, Cutter was to his right, Scowl's ship hovered above. Cletus was boxed in. It was a fight formation that he couldn't win. He'd be lucky to take one of them out. Duck down, he questioned himself, only to find that one of his three new friends had placed an explosive mine below him. Cletus was expertly cornered, save for his rear view, and he couldn't tell if any surprises awaited him back there. Probably a mine back there, too, though it'd be harder to place. Scowl commanded, his attention from above. Nothing personal, just business, Odysseus. Scowl, the tormentor, seemed legitimately distressed as he delivered the news over the communication system. Cletus counted six guns to the ship on his left, all pointed directly at him. He took a deep breath, adjusted his seat belt as tightly as it would go, and began to flick switches on the control panel to his right and directly in front of him. Come on. One. Two. Three. Before the laser fire blared, The cabin was ablaze in red light, and an alarm sounded. Seconds later, the AIK-205 died, every bit of power draining out of it, with a hum and a thud, and a slowdown so abrupt, it jerked Cletus hard and knocked him temporarily unconscious. At that exact same moment, the same time the old space bird died hard, the lasers from Ripper's ship blasted hard, into the side of Cutter's craft, tearing it to shreds. Where three ships had once floated threateningly, now two flew in the midst of the shrapnel of the third. The sheer speed of Scowl's ship and Ripper's craft put them well ahead of Cletus's old AIK-205. Shocked and angry, they both slowed and circled back each looking forward to blasting Cletus into dust. Cletus knew it, too. He awoke a dreary, heavy head that had been out for nearly a full minute to see two ships closing in fast on him. "Uh, You don't want to do this, guys. Can't we call a truce? Cletus pleaded. Scowl was the first to fire. Unaware that Cletus had switched the wiring between his rapid-fire space shooter and the ship's eject button. As he pulled the trigger to fire on Cletus, Scowl instead blasted himself out of the ship and into hyperspace, dumbfounded, backdoored. Scowl's ship was barreling toward the AIK-205, though. As Cletus plugged back in the power and steered the small rocket, out of the way, just in time, Two down, one to go. Cletus's ship was smaller than Ripper's, which allowed for greater agility in space, but Ripper's was faster and stronger. Cletus would only be able to dodge for a while, eventually Ripper would overpower him. The two weaved, dodged, and fired at one another in a brutal dogfight the first flight simulator video game had prepared Cletus for. He could only avoid Ripper for so long. Ripper's superior craft gained the upper hand, pinned Cletus's ship below. Cletus braced for a direct hit. The AIK-205 was suddenly jolted. The crash wasn't the ear-splitting shriek of lasers tearing into metal that he'd expected. The collision sounded more like something big had rammed into him. You gotta be kidding me. Cletus's outdoor cameras showed a very alive and very angry scowl hanging on to the outside of his spacecraft. You don't know who you're messing with. I will tear you limb from limb and feed you to my pigs. Hey, the comms are close enough to connect again. That's cool. These have much better pickup than mine. Where'd you get yours? Scowl screamed. Fury filled his lungs, but not for long. Cletus propelled his spacecraft full speed ahead upward, hitting Ripper's rocket hard and smashing Scowl in between the two. Scowl was crushed like a bug against the ship above, and Ripper and crew careened off in the direction opposite, Asteria. Cletus's ship was in bad shape. Red lights blared. Cletus worked quickly to find, assess, and fix what ailed the old AIK-205. But then there was not enough time. Within minutes, the ship died. He was a sitting duck. If Ripper could recover and make the turn, there'd be no hope for survival. Little worked on the AIK-205, so Cletus resorted to an old-school but highly powerful telescope he had nearly left behind. Uh, When will I ever need this, he had asked himself, and now here we are. The good news was he didn't see Ripper's ship. The bad news was he saw a whole lot more. From one side, Cletus noted an Asteria force, strong pack force, with at least six ships approaching, from another side what appeared to be a second string of at least three scavenger crafts. We're about to join the party. Both forces were only minutes away. Cletus's stone-dead AIK-205 floated perilously in the path of all involved, and there was little opportunity for contact, fight, or flight. End of part four. And that's all for this week, listeners. We'll be back next week with more Cletus Cavalier and more Halloween as we celebrate three years of the Professor Theo's Mystery Lab podcast. I hope you'll join us In the meantime, have a wild and wonderful and weird week. Be good to each other. Be helpers. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might blast you into outer space. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at TheProfessorTheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.